Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & and more. Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Zaporek and we have a great episode for you today. We're going to wrap up both of the conference finals, preview the NBA finals or the Warriors-Cavs grudge match. We'll also have some free agency and trade talk and Mort might even hit us with a hot take or two along the way. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you all that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. <laughs> this might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip ice cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Handles, so give us a follow there as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so we'd love it if you checked us out there. Subscribe, downloaded, left some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Already had a bunch of good uh, finals previews coming out. Also, some off-season previews rolling out, some NBA draft, uh, which is coming up in a couple weeks, so check them out again, Fan Rag Sports. Joining me as always this week are my two trusty co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? It's going well, Brian. Yeah, pretty good. So I think we're both melting. Morton says it's hot in Denmark. It's pretty hot Look, here. I'm, I'm practically naked as we record this. <laughs> it's so warm. It's true. We I can vouch we have a video screen going, so we can, yeah. so we can see. <laughs> My apologies. That's yeah. You'll you'll have to burn your eyes out of that. <laughs> Mort also just got back from a screening of Wonder Woman, and he says it is actually good, unlike the other DC movies. So hey now, exciting. hey now. Uh, oh look, I, I I get it. I get it. I'm not I'm not the right person to ask this. You know that. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, American fans have to wait one more week, but it sounds like. For those who have been disappointed in Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman, it sounds like we actually might enjoy Wonder Woman. 
So You should well, never ask me of these things. I named my son Bruce for crying out loud. <laughs> the, the Batman uh, tattoo on his shoulder can vouch, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so let's start things off this week. Sarah, I'm sorry to start on a down note, but we got to mm-hmm. talk about your Spurs and wrap up the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I mean... Zaza Pachulia is the MVP of that series because he mm-hmm. hurt Kawhi Leonard, who then proceeded to miss games two through four. Without Kawhi, without Tony Parker, the Spurs just couldn't keep up with the Warriors. So we'll talk about the Warriors when we preview the finals. Let's focus on your Spurs because now they enter a pretty interesting offseason. Usually they're not huge free agent players, aside from LaMarcus Aldridge two years ago. Uh, you know, Pau Gasol was... A kind of big splash last season, but now they're <laughs> now they're apparently in the running for Chris Paul, which we'll talk about later. Uh, let's talk about the point guard spot first, because Tony Parker uh, tore his quad tendon. It sounds like they're not sure whether he's going to be ready for the start of the 2017-2018 season. They have Patty Mills, who is a free agent. They have Dejunte Murray, who is a rookie who showed some promising flashes, uh, but do you think he's ready to take over as the full-time point guard while Tony's out? Do they need to re-sign Patty Mills? Or are you looking elsewhere for the point guard spot until Tony's back? Well, first of all, I'm going to be the insufferable Spurs fan for the rest of the summer. I just wanted to let y'all know. <laughs> Good. Um, because I'm on my Kanye West can't tell me nothing because, <laughs> you know, as far as I'm concerned... My Spurs and six was going to come true until Zaza mangled Kawhi. So, and I can't prove that it would have, but you can't prove that it would not have. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, other than that, as far as our point guard situation, it's not an ideal situation to be in. Obviously, although I think we have significantly more reason to be hopeful and excited about the future than we had the last few summers. Um, I don't think DeJounte's quite ready. Obviously, you know, this year he wasn't ready yet. Uh, He's got a few months over the summer. We'll see what kind of progress he makes. Um, But ideally, you'd like to have somebody else there to kind of help. Patty Mills, as we kind of saw, was forced into a role that that wasn't really his role uh, there towards the end of the playoffs. And I actually wanted to know what you thought about it, Brian, because you, you kept saying, let's let's play Patty more minutes, or do you think that's a good idea if uh, Spurs meet the Warriors? We ended up being forced into that, and it did not go that well. Right. Uh, so, so what did you think about Patty as a starting point guard? Yeah, that, that wasn't a glowing endorsement of this <laughs> Patty Mills experiment. I think in the right situation, say a team where he could play a little more off ball, like right. say Philadelphia, he might <laughs> right. be he might be a better fit. Uh but it was it was not it, you know, I would be nervous if he was the starting point guard going into next season unless yeah. Tony was, you know, coming back within the first couple weeks of the year and it's really a stopgap thing, but if if Tony's out for the first month, first two months, uh yeah, I'm with you. I think you might need to Go venture out in the free agent point guard market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Uh, I, I love me some Patty Mills, but that's what we need to replace is not really what he does. Like you said, he's mm-hmm. he's really great off ball. He's really great off the bench. Um, could possibly be somewhat successful for a short time, like you said, in the regular season. But yeah, it, it, he's not as much of a pick and pop player. He he did do that a little bit this year. He's not much of a penetrator. 
and that, mm-hmm. that's what we would need. So, uh, like I said, I, I don't really want to go too far out. hope maybe they can sign somebody, but I, I don't think we need a big free agent splash at that position. Mm. And I do want to see how DeJounte does, but <laughs> he's, he's not quite ready, but sometimes that's for the best. I do want to see him. I think he is part of the future. So if we just need to get him out there and, and get him some more experience, I'm honestly fine with that. Okay. So, I mean, you know, we, we've kind of alluded to this, but a big issue in the uh, the conference finals was, especially once Kawhi went down and once Tony was out, they just didn't have that many players who could create offense for mm-hmm. others. So that, you know, that plays into Patty, but the one lone beacon of hope was Manu Ginobili, who may or may not be retiring. We don't know. I mean, Spurs fans gave him a very well-deserved uh, standing ovation at the end of Game 4 when he came out. Um, he said afterward you know, he's going to take a couple weeks to kind of figure out what he wants to do next. So, Sarah, do you think that was Manu's last game, or do you think he comes back for one more season? You know, it's been really strange because everyone who isn't Manu seems convinced that he's not coming back. <laughs> like that's, you just keep hearing it. Mm-hmm. And I understand it. And I've kind of gone back and forth. Obviously, I don't know. Um, it's weird. I just hope that he doesn't feel like we're all kind of pushing him out the door. <laughs> like That's not it at all. I'm glad we, we gave him that celebration and that love and that recognition. Uh, he has Tim to blame for it, kind of, because Tim kind of blindsided us last year, so we weren't going to let that happen again. Right. Uh, but, like, we will gladly do it again next year if you come back, Manu. <laughs> we, we don't have any problem with that. Uh, we just wanted to make sure, just in case. Um, I don't know. I mean, he started out the playoffs, obviously. What is it? We went, like, four games against the Grizzlies without even scoring. Right. scary. I think we all felt like, okay, this this might be it. But then he finished the playoffs really well, you know. Mm-hmm. So a- as it went on, I felt more and more like, okay, he could come back for another year. Uh, so I really don't know. I have no idea which way he's leaning, if anyway. Um, I was going to say nobody knows but Manu, but I'm not sure that he even really knows right now. Um, mm. He just posted a picture today about, uh, I think it said vacation mode on, and it's like his three <laughs> boys in the river walking around. So uh-huh. so I'm glad. I think he's just enjoying the moment. I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, you know, we'll obviously keep track of that as we get closer to the summer. Um, but hopefully, I think fans, not even of Spurs, just want to see Manu continue playing yeah. basketball. Because as you said, he did play well when, <laughs> after that scary stint against the Grizzlies. Um, more, I'm going to throw this one to you, because I think we, we we know where Sarah stands here. And Sarah, you could chime in as well. But um, you know, one of the big stories of the conference finals was once Kawhi went down, LaMarcus Aldridge needed to play a bigger role. And... Mm. For whatever reason, he didn't seem suited to do that. He couldn't, you know, turn into a 30-point-per-game scorer. He just kind of hovered at his same amount of production, and it seemed to frustrate Greg Popovich, uh, especially after Game 2, I think was when he specifically called LaMarcus out uh, during the press mm-hmm. conference. So what do you think the Spurs should do with LaMarcus this summer? He's got two years left on his deal the second year is a player option, so he could opt out after the 2017-18 year. Do you think they should shop him now? Yes. Like, but what could you get? Mm-hmm. I, I, Sarah and I spoke about this uh, some podcasts ago. I think it was the one where you weren't here. Um, and, and 
And Sarah made an excellent point. Like, what can you get for Lamarcus right now? Everyone knows that he is inconsistent at this point in his career because that's been the case throughout the entire course of the season. And last year, he didn't really like make a big splash with the Spurs either. He was, I think, eighteen and eight or something in that in that regard. It's not like mind blowing numbers, and he just kind of took a back seat. Mm-hmm. And like uh, you said, you know, he he didn't turn out to be like a thirty point score. Well, he didn't even turn out to be a sixteen point scorer, <laughs> like a- against Golden State. Like that's really the main major concern to me. Like if he had just upped the offensive volume a little bit more, been a little bit more aggressive, just hell, he could even settle for like sixteen, eighteen points a game and just like grab double digit rebounds. Mm-hmm. But he was less than six boards a game. Like, there was no justification in keeping on playing him, which is why Pop limited his minutes. Like, he played under 30 for the series because, you know, he just couldn't have him out there. Like, it was a better bet to go with Jonathan Simmons. Like, think about that for a second. Like, here you have this $20 million a year player in LaMarcus, and you go with the guy who paid 150 bucks to <laughs> right. turn out to, you know, the D-League tryouts. Yeah. Um, in the NBA playoffs, no less. Yes, you shop him. And if you can get someone to take him for an expiring contract, mm-hmm. you do it, and then you go all in on 2018, that's really the best case scenario because you're not going get, to get cap relief right. at all. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm stealing this from the, the guys who do NBA assets with me uh, have been kind of throwing around ideas of how to get LaMarcus off the Spurs. And one of them suggested sending him to Boston if they strike out on, you know, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Gordon Hayward doesn't sign there. Something structured around Avery Bradley, and I don't know what else they would have to do to make it cap legal, but that frees up the guard logjam for Boston. LaMarcus, uh, you know, LaMarcus and Al Horford offensively seem like they could fit well. Defensively, We'll just leave it at that. Damn, I don't, I don't even do that. You would not. I'm not. I, I'm not even giving up Avery Bradley for Lamarcus at this point. Wow. It because is. I am just because of the question marks. Like, don't, don't get mm-hmm. it twisted. Lamarcus is a fantastic talent. He has great length and size, so he's intriguing. Right. But these last two years with the Spurs, they have just just added up so many question marks for me that I'm not giving up like an Avery Bradley for Lamarcus at this point. I think the theory with giving up Bradley is he's also going to be a free agent in 2018. Right, you right. Know, if they, yeah. whatever, we'll talk about Boston shortly, but <laughs> they're going to have too many guards and not enough money to pay them all. Um, so you'd be getting something for a guy who might walk away from nothing. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a fair, you know, it speaks to, I, I, you know, I think it's it speaks to how his value has fallen around the league. And we've, we're seeing this basically with every non-quote-unquote unicorn big man. You know, any guy who yeah. can't shoot threes and protect the rim. It's just, it seems like those are a dying breed, and LaMarcus cashed in when he should have, which is great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's going to make it harder for him to return, quote-unquote, equal value. Uh, Sarah? Well, call the Knicks. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, they, who do they have? Right. Okay, they, 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 they want to play, yeah, they want to play Chris Tops at the five, which I get. Yeah. So there you go. Get a power forward in there. <laughs> I get, yeah. He's a name. Sarah, He's a name. James Dolan loves names. Do you want a Carmelo Kawhi front court next year? 
I probably would take it at this point. <laughs> oh, no. So you're, you are also out on LaMarcus staying a spur. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't want to be rude. Um, he made strides. He honestly did defensively um, at times, hitting the glass. But as, as Morton pointed out, it wasn't great in the, this last series there. Um, I think you made a great point, Brian, that it's kind of the times have turned against him uh, for a number of reasons. It's He's kind of always been a guy who's who's lived in those quote-unquote inefficient spaces. Mm-hmm. And he used to, you know, make some hay there. But uh, I think Zach Lowe pointed out against the Warriors, or actually I think it was in the playoffs, let's check this. He's shooting, he was shooting 29% on long twos in the playoffs. Oof, um, Lord. Yeah, he, he used to not be up around 50%, but low 40s uh, right. on those mm. shots. Um, and yeah, you just you just can't make that work, 29%. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there a lot of people have been pointing out that he didn't have that pick-and-pop creator, especially after Tony went out. That I mean, there's some truth to that, but he just, really all year, he was not hitting that shot very much. It really, mm-hmm. the last two years uh, with the Spurs, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is uh, but that's a big concern so I would be interested and maybe not want to know uh, what the market would be at this point um, mm. yeah it's just you know, we're, we're in the, the era of hyper efficiency or, or worrying about you know where are you getting your points and so you know he was never a sexy pick in in the Maury ball style of play right. and yeah when he's not hitting that shot it, it really makes things difficult yeah totally um, okay, so before we move on to Boston, w- do you see any other major needs for the Spurs this off season? <laughs> uh, power forward, center. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think there are some big question marks there in the front court. Yeah, I mean, Deadman, you probably lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Lee, we don't know what's going to happen there. I thought he was really good this year. I honestly really yeah. enjoyed him in a Spurs uniform. Danish um, girlfriend. Of course, you keep pushing that. Um, yeah, but you don't. You know, he was hurt. You don't know if he's going to opt in or out. Powell probably opts in. I'm guessing. Right. Uh, you got Lamarcus for yeah. at least another year, unless you know he moves somehow. So there's questions there, and then like you mentioned, point guard. We'll see. Um, I, in my heart of hearts, am going to believe that Tony comes back and is able to to be effective again at some point, but. You most likely start the year without him, and then you've got a really young guy behind him. We don't know if Patty's coming back, so those are really the biggest question marks right now. They're they're pretty good on the wing, but yep. then again, you don't know if Manu's <laughs> coming back right, off the bench. Right. So we'll see. It's a, it's another year of of probably transition and change. It's but but I'm grateful that it's been kind of a gradual thing. So yes. we've been able to survive, and thank God for Kawhi. Right, right, right. Yeah, and you got Davis. That's a bumper sticker right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you still have Davis Bertans, too, so you get your That's guys right. are good on the wings. All right, I'm happy uh, with the youngsters. I'm excited about them. So. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi is going to, you guys, it, as long as Pop is there and Kawhi is there, you're going to win 50 games if he trots out <laughs> D-leaguers in Kawhi. So you're good. We, more than <laughs> well, that, don't hey. feel bad for you. Right. <laughs> so. Look, there's, there's another factor here. This is a deep draft. So yeah, that's true. at 29, you can actually get a guy who could be in your rotation next year. Yeah, like that that's a could good happen. If Jawan Evans slips, like that's my guy for the Spurs. Okay. Like this is like yeah, this is he's short. He's like five eleven. 
but he's one of those mm-hmm. guys like he, he is a superb floor leader and mm-hmm. he can score he can shoot and get into the paint i would love to see him like you know probably not end up being a starting point guard for, for san antonio down the line but at least one of those guys who can get like 25 28 minutes off the bench for like 10 years of his career like there are a lot of good picks down there so you are going to get more youth and if there's one team I'm not nervous about getting most out of their youth, it's San Antonio. So, yeah. yeah. Right. And finding a gym at 29. Something right. tells me it's going to happen like it does every year. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the Celtics, who uh, equally <laughs> suffered an equally dispiriting loss in the conference finals. Uh, you know, game two, they just got, it was what, what the worst halftime deficit in NBA history for the playoffs. Um, yeah, Isaiah Thomas uh, had a hip injury, which he apparently suffered during the Washington series. He aggravated it in Game 2, missed the rest of the playoffs. It is unclear whether he needs surgery. Um, strangely, in Game 3, they actually played well without him. Marcus Smart hit seven threes, so they steal a game in Cleveland. Had a big lead in Game 4 that you know Kyrie Irving wiped out because he... He's Kyrie Irving, and then the Cavs walloped the Celtics in Game 5 to put them out of their misery and send them to the offseason. So, I mean, the Celtics can't be too upset because they have the number one pick. In all likelihood, they will be drafting Markel Fultz with that pick. Whether they keep it or trade it, we will talk about in a minute. Um, I mean, the big question, I think, more is Isaiah Thomas because, as I mentioned, I mean, that Game 3 performance without him that was really interesting. The Cavs did not get the good looks they were getting in games one and two, and it goes back to, you know, hey, Isaiah Thomas had the worst real defensive plus-minus in the league this year. He's a 5'9 guard in the playoffs. That hurts you more than it does during the regular season because you can scheme more specifically against that. So, you know, they're in position to get Markel Fultz. Isaiah Thomas is a year away from unrestricted free agency. He's going to be 29. He's almost certainly in line to receive a max contract or a near max contract. So if Boston would hand him that deal, we're talking about five years, $200 million. So what do you think Boston should do with IT this summer? Should they keep him and hold their nose and figure out 2018 in 2018? Should they shop him around? Should they try to sign him to an extension that's not a max well, you take calls. That's that's probably the one thing. You take calls on him. You don't go to the media and say anything about shopping him or whatever. You just you do it low-key. Like You don't aggressively pursue anything, but mm-hmm. if something shows up, then you listen to it and you, you talk to your team and you find out what the best play is. You have to be cautious with this. The thing about Game 3, I just want to touch upon this, because LeBron had a horrible game, and yes. I think he was ill. and right. So that... that came into it but there was another factor and it is when you take a high volume score out then you are going to see a different look mm-hmm. in the in the other game because then you have a whole bunch of offense that needs to be replaced by not one guy or two guys but like five six seven eight guys mm-hmm. when that happens it throws the opponent off the wagon a little bit like that's that's also why we on occasion see teams that made a big trade 
and you know win like right. their initial game, even though they're the the guys that they traded for are on the bench not playing. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's a different look. You can't really game plan for something that you haven't really seen. Mm. So it was just like the perfect storm. I'm not really taking that win all that seriously sure. at all. Like Marcus Smart hit seven <laughs> right. You know, right. sometimes just things goes goes your way. But no, I mean, I was I was talking about this on Twitter regarding Thomas and it's difficult because obviously Markel Fultz is going to be the future at the point guard position mm-hmm. or at least, you know, at one of the guard spots. IT at 29 when he and at a, at what 58 59 mm-hmm. is not a long-term you know staple there. He shouldn't be because his game is I don't think his game is going to age very well at all. So I would definitely keep the phone lines open and when push comes to shove you know, with the renegotiation part, I would probably offer him a two-year deal where I just top him out completely, mm-hmm. like salary-wise, and then tell him, you know what, you know, truth be told, we need you for two years, and we're gonna pay you like a superstar for two years, and afterwards, Markel is gonna take over. Mm-hmm. Like, and in those two years, we are going to go for the championship. We are going to go balls to the walls for this championship. See what happens. Um, then uh, obviously you would have to start Markellis the two guard, mm-hmm. but I think he can do that. Yeah. Six four, six ten wingspan, athletic. I mean, why not? Yeah. So it sounds like you are more in the camp. You're not rushing to trade Isaiah right now. You're willing. Well, I mean, I, if a good deal pops up tomorrow, yeah, sure. Like I'm, I do it. So I'm. I don't think I fall into any camp really. I'm just I want to be patient and I want to look at it like objectively. Mm-hmm. Like if I get an objectively good offer right now, mm-hmm. I I look at the big picture and I and I make a decision based on that. And if if that deal I'm offered is putting Boston in a better position, especially with the Foles coming in, I do it tomorrow and I don't look back. Like yeah. this <laughs> it seems to me that this Boston situation is going to be extremely difficult to mess up. Mm-hmm. Like for Danny Ainge, like right. to the point where I'm almost tempted to say, you know what, Danny Ainge, you shouldn't even get an get an executive of the year award at any point because, like this, this is all just you should just kick back and make simple decisions from here on out. Like their greatness is almost destined at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move to their other two guards. Uh, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, same situation. Avery Bradley mm-hmm. is an unrestricted free agent 2018. Marcus Smart is restricted. Uh, do you feel the same way about both of them, where you're listening to offers, you're willing to take a good deal, but you're not mm-hmm. rushing to trade either one? Or do you think, you know, with Thomas's payday on the horizon, Fultz coming in, you need to move one of those two guards this offseason? I don't think I need to move one of those two guys. I think I need to move Terry Rozier. Hmm. The untouchable that's, Terry Rozier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's the guy I, I probably would, you know, move. Avery Bradley I think would work tremendously alongside Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. He's he's a, he's not a ball uh, heavy guy, and he takes like a lot of off ball shots. He's a terrific defender. Then you could actually have Marcus Smart playing both guard spots off the bench. So if that's your core moving forward, you know, Folds, Bradley, and Smart, I'll mm-hmm. take that. Like, I know there's a slight difference in age from Bradley to Folds, but I'll live with that. That's not a concern to me. 
And in regards to contract, I'm not sure that Bradley is going to get offered a max in this new financial climate. Right. Like if he is offered and takes something around 17, 18 million a year, mm-hmm. I'll I'll take that. Like, yeah. but if he demands 25, 26, then I'm then I'll make a call when when that happens. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I do not. I mean, Godspeed to whatever team gives Avery Bradley a max deal when it's right. <laughs> you know, thirty plus million dollars for him. Uh, all right, let's talk about the big decision now. So, you know, re- remove their free agent, impending free agents, because that's a year away. Come June twenty second, they have the number one overall pick. Do you think there's any chance they do not take Mark Elfaltz there? No. Okay. So they, they this is false. This is the false draft. This is like a surefire, you know, Anthony Davis draft. Mm-hmm. So. If you're the Celtics, are you willing to trade that pick for, say, a Paul George or a Jimmy Butler? Or do you think you should keep that? And, you know, it's you're talking about Paul George. You know, obviously, right now, if you're gunning for a title right now, Paul George is going to be more valuable than Markel Fultz is next year. But you have mm. one year of team control with Paul George. You have two with Jimmy Butler. In theory, if all goes well, you have nine with Markel Fultz. So... With those factors in mind, do you make that all-in push, or do you keep faults and say, you know, you guys, look, what if you want to trade them, we'll talk about that 2018 Nets pick, we'll dangle some of our other pieces, but faults is off-limits. I have thought long and hard about this, because I've seen Boston fans on, on Twitter a lot, especially, yeah, you know, Michael Pena and Jay King make great points about the situation that they're in, they can get Markel Fultz, and then they could theoretically sign Gordon Hayward in the summer. Mm-hmm. In, if that is the case, then obviously that's the preferred option. So here's where I landed. If I can facilitate trades that end up having Paul George and Jimmy Butler both go to Boston, mm-hmm. and where your main piece is Fultz going out, mm-hmm. like your main piece... And then, of course, there's going to be a whole lot of different components attached. But, like, Foles is the is the key guy to getting this thing done. Yes, I sacrifice it. Then I go all in with Isaiah Thomas, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Al Horford. And then that that's probably going to be the main core because you ha- you'd have to have guys like Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. They're probably going to be moved. Mm-hmm. Possibly even Jay Crowder as well. Uh, but, but then I go forward with that. But that is really the only scenario in which I give up Fultz. Mm, okay. So you think... Both guys. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm with you in that. I mean, especially with Paul George, it just sounds like he so wants to play for the Lakers that I don't think any other team can give up anything mm-hmm. of value for him. Because there's... You know, I yeah, maybe he really likes Boston and he, you know, he, he thinks he has a chance to compete for a title there. But, you know, what happens... In 2018, when both he and Isaiah Thomas are free agents, if one of them leaves, the other one probably leaves. So that one, definitely no-go for me. And then Jimmy, you know, I like Jimmy Butler. I think he's an all-star caliber player. He's, you know, I I think if he was on the Celtics this year, they're pushing the Cavs to at least six, if not seven. They might, you know, they might even have a chance to win if LeBron's virus knocked him out for a couple games. Um, oh, I'm actually there. I think they would have beaten the Cavs. You think so? But then, yes. you know, turn around and you have the Warriors. So, 
Yeah, they wouldn't have beat them, right. but I think they would have beaten the Cavs because I think people are sleeping on the season that Jimmy Butler had. Yeah. No, I mean, he was phenomenal this year. So I, I would be more willing to entertain that depending on what else Boston wanted or Chicago wanted in return. Like if if the Bulls were unwilling to do just Magic Beans or something. Yeah, right. Like if they weren't willing to do Jimmy for faults straight up, definitely no deal. Uh, but I, I'm... I'm still leaning toward just keeping faults, and then you know I yep. I think it's there as you said, <laughs> Danny Ainge is in this like great spot where he can compete for now and compete for later. Like he's building two separate teams on the same roster where you know mm-hmm. it and Horford are going to keep them relevant for the next couple of years, and same with Jay Crowder, Smart, Bradley at least through 2018. But then you've also got this young core of Jalen Brown, theoretically Markel Faults. That 2018 Nets pick, which is probably going to be, mm. you know... I, Tough I, three. I don't know. I mean, they'll enter the lottery with good odds. Whether that means, you know, they could get screwed. Like, Phoenix was number two, and they fell to four. Um, that said, I also don't think the Nets were as bad this year as their record indicates. If Jeremy Lin stays healthy, they win at least five more games. Probably closer to ten That's true. Games. That's true. Uh, if they sign... Contavious Caldwell Pope or Otto Porter or someone, and they like they actually can get a restricted free agent to come to them this summer. Uh, they could make some strides. So I don't think that you know they they're not guaranteed the number one pick, but they are probably getting at least a mid lottery, if not high lottery pick next year. So R- Ricky O'Donnell made a great point on HB Nation, and he said if Boston is in a position to get like an elite young big man in mm-hmm. 2018, like a Mo Bamba. Mm-hmm. who's attending Texas, for example, mm-hmm. then that is going to be your Al Horford replacement down the line. Yeah. And, you know, then you have that team there that's just waiting to grow. Right. Because that's, right now, that's really the need. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Al Horford, and, and that's great and all, but he's getting older. You don't have that big man waiting in the wings. Oh, yeah, sure, you have Ante Sitchis, and you have Kersan Yapusele, but that's, right. you know, you, those are... You know they they project to be good players, obviously, but they are not as known components as someone like Mo Bamba, for example. Mm-hmm. Like they're not held in that similar regard. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it, it'll be it's going to be a very interesting summer for Boston. They will obviously be at the forefront of a lot of talk between now and the draft, now in free agency. Uh, you know, we mentioned. Gordon Hayward already as a possibility for them, so we will revisit the Celtics a bunch in the next month or so. Now let's turn to the NBA Finals because we, you know, we have a week off, but they finally start Thursday. It's Cavs Warriors three, the rubber match to end all rubber matches. Sarah, here's my first question: Can LeBron James conjure the same type of magic that he did? during those ridiculous game five through seven last year. I'm, I'm never going to bet against him conjuring any kind of magic. Um, <laughs> that, that was really, really transcendent stuff. Um, what I think is, is more unlikely to be repeated is that the series is quite that great. And that mm. was just about impossible to top. Um, I, th- I think he can do it. The The bigger question will be kind of how, how often can they actually get stops. Uh, mm-hmm. Although I will say watching the Warriors-Spurs series, 
and I guess you could argue that the Warriors were not sufficiently inspired uh, facing what was left of the Spurs, but <laughs> I, I just, I didn't see dominance. I didn't see, except for game two. I mean, they right. really didn't run the Spurs out of the gym, which they probably should have. Um, definitely saw some frustration at times. Steph threw some really strange passes again, turnovers. That That's still there. The The trump card is that they now have KD to throw it to. Who can who can kind of rescue them from those moments? Um, I don't know. I'm interested though to see how it goes. I at this point I'm feeling not feeling like it's going to be a cakewalk for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Not feeling like they're going to blow through it. But I, I'm wondering what you guys think. What? Oh man! Like I initially I had the Warriors just you know getting. You know, sweeping the Cavs mm-hmm. like four sip, but the broad factor is just so real, and, <laughs> and it's impossible to answer really because it, it could be a situation where it's just the perfect storm, and you know, for Cleveland and everything for for the Dubs just you know hangs together beautifully and perfectly and in, in harmony and whatever, and then we could see similar things as Sarah alluded to like last year, where you know they they tend to make weird passes and they're not really in tune and KD might be playing outside of the offense like we don't know they've mm-hmm. coasted a fair bit this year just mm-hmm. based on pure talent right so I, I honestly don't know I expect the Warriors to win because of the talent uh, amount they have there and and when I look at this scene right now I think they need to gather around KD and just make him like their their king mm. you know the, the the West Coast king because it seems like he's their best option, even mm-hmm. you know handling the ball. Like I, Curry, is, I, I don't know what it is. Like he's had an off season. If it's due to KD, I'm not sure, or if it's just because he's played a lot. Like let's not forget, this is their third finals in a row. Like, right. Pl- players get tired. We always talk about the fatigue level that LeBron is going through, and this is his seventh straight finals for crying out loud. Like this happens to teams that are not on a seven finals run as well and this yeah. is the third time in in a, in a row so there could be some fatigue factor going in, in into this one for the for the dubs as well especially facing the same team like mm-hmm. i think that's a level of fatigueness as well like oh we this is the same team for the third time in a row you know, we've been there done that a lot a lot a lot you know there isn't that that new team where you have to like get up and go oh we haven't faced these guys like seven games yet mm-hmm. they so I, I i don't know it's going to be interesting uh what what, what about you brian like where is it dominance for the dubs or lebronness all the way i mean <laughs> i think it's going to be dominance for the dubs but i think lebron's going to keep them in the series that they would you know if yeah. not for him they'd otherwise get annihilated but i i sarah as you said we've learned the lesson every playoffs do not count out lebron james um, especially, you know, he's facing a 3-1 deficit against a historically great team last year. And, you know, what I, I think what he did uh, during those three games, and we were talking about this, we had a B-Ball breakdown uh, email thread about this a couple weeks ago where, like, Coach Nick was looking for signature moments of LeBron James' hmm. career, especially yeah. his playoff career. And he was like, you know, he doesn't really have, like, a MJ's the shot He's got, you know, he had the block against Iggy in Game 7 last year, but he doesn't have, like, those signature... He doesn't have a flu game. He doesn't have the shrug. I'm thinking those three games, like, the totality of those three games were his moment. You know, and it Mm -hmm. culminates with the block. 
but like those were three of the most sublime basketball performances I've ever seen. And for him to yeah. do it right in a row was just unreal. So I, you know, I think the fact that they went 12 and one throughout the playoffs so far, that's going to buy both teams a lot of needed rest. Like I'm not worried about fatigue being as much of an issue as it was last year for Golden State coming off of that seven game OKC series where, you know, where Steph is already on a hobbled ankle. Like, both teams are entering pretty healthy. Kyrie had that ankle scare against Boston, but, you know, for, for our, what we know, at least, there's no major lingering injuries, so I think both teams should be healthy. Um, I, you know, I, as you said, more the talent differential there leads me to go with the Warriors, but, mm. you know, again, like, LeBron has shown that he can single-handedly take over games, and the Cavs have proven this year that they can compete with this Warriors team. They, you know, they were facing a double-digit deficit on Christmas Day, and they came back and won. So, I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm like you, Mort. I go between like thinking it's going to be a route for the Warriors, and I'm like, oh no, the Cavs. You know, <laughs> they have LeBron, they have Kyrie, and Kevin Love. You know, he's played exceedingly well in the playoffs yeah. this year. So that's my next question, because. Love last year in the NBA Finals averaged 8.5 points and 6.8 rebounds a game. This year, he's basically doubling both in the playoffs. So, Mort, do you think he get, he's going to continue beasting like he has? Or do you think the Warriors, especially with that death lineup, are going to run him off the floor? Well, I, I don't think they're going to run him off the floor, but I think he is going to cool down a little bit. He's going up against Draymond, and you probably also looking at some minutes at the four for KD, who's long, athletic, and really underrated defensively. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see him getting into trouble early on in games when he tries <laughs> to establish himself. But you know he's so good at moving off the ball. He's so he's going to get touches from the outside. It's just a question of him being able to utilize the possessions when you have someone else on him. Like if you if he has a mismatch, mismatch, just take it into the post. Get his all around scoring game going. Like don't pigeonhole. Mm-hmm. That's really the most important thing. Uh, but I don't I don't anticipate him going off for like twenty two and twelve right. at all. What's a more interesting question to me is we're talking about this talent differential, and we're including Clay Thompson in this, whereas mm-hmm. we maybe shouldn't be because his playoff per for this year is eight point four. Yeah. Yeah, 8.4 in over 400 minutes. He's essentially the 7th... No, that's not even 7th. Like, 10th guy right now. Yeah, he's, he's turning to the Harrison Barnes of this year. Yeah, he has. So, what's that all about? Like, if he goes into this final series and just can't really connect on open, wide-open jump shots... And he's just a non-factor. Then suddenly that becomes a bit more of a fair game. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, last year he averaged almost twenty points a game uh, in the finals. You know, he he didn't shoot all that well for from three, shot only about thirty-five percent. But still, you know, Steph also was only forty percent overall. So mm-hmm. in theory, he, Steph's going to be a little more efficient. Now the question is, you know, does Clay fall into the Harrison Barnes? That role where he just you know can't really do anything, as you said, brick a bunch of open threes, or does he regain his playoff mojo just in time? Uh, Sarah, 
you mentioned the late game issues that Golden State had earlier in the year. And I, do you think those are going to be a factor here? Because, especially because they haven't really been tested in the playoffs. And most, you know, I think they played, I forget where I saw this stat, but they played like eight clutch minutes, I think, throughout that whole. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like they've just been annihilating everyone. So they haven't, you know, they haven't had a chance to have those issues pop up. But if they're in a three-point game in the final minute, do you think that weird deferential thing between Steph and KD could come back to haunt them? What I want to say is we can only hope, right? Yeah. Um, I do think there will be some close games in this finals. I, I sure as hell hope so. And yeah, if that happens, there's a very real possibility that that rears its ugly head again. Um, I think someone pointed out recently that, that the two of them, Steph and KD, have kind of played their best together over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I think against the Spurs, they kind of kind of had it together. But at the same time, it, it's more... It seems like when it's working, it's because they're just going to KD. Mm. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that it's ideal. I don't know if you ever reach an ideal between two superstars like that. It's, it's a really tough thing to do. So yeah, I, I think we might see that. <laughs> I'm leaning towards yes. And like I said, hopeful that we will. I want to go back to what what Morton said about potentially Kevin Love cooling down because he's going to see some Draymond and he's going to see some KD, mm-hmm. probably. I would say that if that ends up being the case, I would take that. <laughs> As Cleveland, I'm taking that because that's not Draymond on LeBron or mm. Durant on LeBron. <laughs> so I'm going for that because that means... You know, LeBron's destroying Steph on pick-and-roll switches again or something like that. So, yes, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I also wanted to go back to... I remember the email thread from B-Ball Breakdown talking about uh, LeBron's signature playoff moments. And what question that raises for me is, like, what are Durant's? You know, like... Because mm. it's... I mean, it's not fair because it's a little what-have-you-done-for-me-lately, but... What immediately comes to mind are games six and seven of the Western Conference Finals last year, mm-hmm. which is not not the kind of playoff moment you want to remember for right. a guy. So I don't want to go like full Stephen A. Smith, KD ain't <laughs> built for war. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but God. but uh, uh, there, there's those questions there. I think he's really driven this year, but I do think he feels a little bit of the pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just not having to carry as much of it, which is good for him. But But they are going to have to rely on him at times. Um, so we'll see what happens. He has been really good. He was great against the Spurs, but he did not have to face Kawhi for the majority of that that series. So I do think I feel like LeBron's going to bully him again, like mm-hmm. he did in 2012. But but we shall see. Yeah, who, so that yeah, I wanted to ask about KD especially because you know he did not have to face Kawhi, so he got off easy there. You know the Cavs obviously have LeBron who, when he wants to, is still an all-world defender. Who else on the Cavs roster do you think is capable of defending KD? Hmm. That is a really good question because... <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's really not anybody. I mean, perhaps in close-to-the-basket situations, Thompson could bother him with size at times. Mm-hmm. But, but really, yeah... 90% of people, Kevin Durant's just going to shoot over like he did all throughout the Western oh. Conference Finals. Got a, right. I got a good look at that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, they really don't. LeBron's going to have to carry a lot of weight on both ends. Right. But but we've seen him do it before, but it's a big ask. Yeah, that's that's my one thing. I keep coming back to that when I'm trying to figure out who's going to win the series and how many mm-hmm. games. Because, you know, last year you could hide LeBron on Harrison Barnes at times and you could catch a breather on defense. Whereas this year, no Harrison Barnes. Yes, KD, he's probably going to have to... Yeah exert more effort on that end of the floor so then you know if it comes down to game seven the final two minutes is he going to have the energy to do that kind of a sprint down the court and chase down black um you know it's a it's an open question i mean i I, none of us know the answer because we don't know how he's feeling and maybe that week Mm -hmm. of rest gets him rejuvenated this new final schedule you know gives them a little bit more rest built into the structure which is great um but it's that's a concern of mine. I feel like Richard Jefferson, J.R. Smith, like those are probably the you know they'll see some minutes on him. But there isn't, at least I don't think there's a good answer aside from LeBron has to be the MVP on both sides of the floor for the Cavs to win this. You know he's going to have to sacrifice offensively. Mm-hmm. Like he can't go out there looking to get thirty. Right. Kyrie has to be the scorer. I said this last year too, and. You know, LeBron, he, he basically told me to shut up while handling this myself. <laughs> right. But which is entirely fair, but yeah. like this 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 is where Kyrie Irving needs to, you know, become this twenty seven, twenty nine point scorer throughout the course of the series. He mm-hmm. needs to be on and he needs to be the focal point of the offense. So LeBron can step step it back a little bit offensively and balance his game out a little Scotty Pippen esque, maybe. Mm-hmm. That would be in in you know, good favor for him because then he can save energy for the final, you know, two minutes of the game if it's necessary. Um, of course, if they come out swinging like the Dubs do and, and you know, the Cavs find themselves down early, then what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a matter of putting LeBron James into as many possessions offensively and defensively as humanly possible if I'm the Dubs mm-hmm. because then I tire him out at some point. Right. I mean, he is human, I think. Yeah, so so they tell us. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Kyrie last year in the finals averaged 27.1. LeBron had 29.7. No other Cavaliers player had more than 10.6. So if they get that, you know, assuming LeBron has to take a step back offensively, averages closer to 22, 23 they're going to need more production elsewhere, which is a good way for us to seg into the X-Factors of this series. So, more for Cleveland, who would you have as an X-Factor? Oh, Kevin Love, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, look, his talent is undeniable. And even though that I talked about him maybe you know, getting into trouble with Draymond and KD and whatever, he is still one of the premier power forwards in this league. Like he just came off in the Eastern Conference Final Series, where he averaged twenty-two and a half and twelve and a half boards yeah. in thirty-three minutes a game. Like this guy can do things, and the Cavs need need him to do things. They need him to rebound at a high level. Mm-hmm. They need him to stretch the court at a high level. They need him to get to the line at a high level. They just need him to be aggressive, and even if that translates into like seventeen points a game, and you know it doesn't matter. Just be aggressive, be a part of the game plan, night in and night out. Be a guy that the Warriors have to talk about. Yeah. So, Kevin Love for sure. Totally. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like 
rebounding wise, it's really important to limit the Warriors to one possession. Like you're gonna, mm-hmm. you you know, they have the number one or the number one ranked offense. They have the number two ranked defense. So it's already gonna be hard enough for you to score on them. You need to hold them. Like if they're getting second and third chances, you're dead. So that's where I see Love making the biggest impact. You know, hopefully he scores more than eight and a half per game like he did last year, and I think he will. But it's you know almost arguably more important that he's averaging closer to ten rebounds than it is he's averaging fifteen points. I think. Oh, fifteen rebounds. We're gonna need to go up in that area. Yeah. I don't think ten rebounds cuts it, and that's because my next X factor for the Dubs, mm-hmm. Javale McGee. Ooh, interesting. Because here's another guy who is immensely talented and mm-hmm. highly productive on a permanent basis. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised at all if Mike Brown increases his minutes in the finals, just because it creates a lot of activity around the basket. He he could clean up the offensive class. Like he could compete for rebounds. He's a huge human being. <laughs> right. He really is a large human being, and he's athletic as hell. He can run the court. He can catch lobs. He can get high up for blocks. Like he is just a human pogo stick, and they need to use him as such. Mm-hmm. So if he comes in and becomes that, you know, finals uh, difference maker because he has two or three games where he ends up with a double double, then that's going to be one heck of a help. You know, I was about to say I'm not ready to live in a world where JaVale McGee is Finals MVP, but then I remembered Donald Trump <laughs> is president, so I guess all bets are off. And and Iggy won the finals MVP, so if Iggy wins the finals MVP, everything is open. Right, right. Uh, Sarah, you know, you you are fresh off watching the Warriors annihilate your team, so who is your X Factor for Golden State? For Golden State, well, I think JaVale's a really good pick, Mort, because mm-hmm. uh, he does give them that other dimension, that roller to the rim that you have to account for uh, when you're worried about all those shooters. Um but I just want to kind of cheat a little bit and say uh, the Warriors' defense. Mm. And Brian, you mentioned that it was second-ranked all year. Really, really good defense. I thought that it was a little suspect versus the Spurs. Um, mm. A little lazy at times. A little, And it may have been as simple as they're facing people, like we said, that they don't see often. You know, you got Kyle Anderson out there, Jonathan Simmons. Um Patty's a starter. It's just really weird. <laughs> so it may have been that, just differences in personnel and and trying to account for a different style of play from the Spurs than what they were used to. But, I mean, you're looking at the last two games of that series, I think they gave up 115 and 108 to the Spurs with who? You know, Kawhi out, Tony out, David Lee out. Obviously, the, it's going to be higher scoring because there's more possessions uh, when the Warriors are pushing like that, but but there's still no no reason for that, no excuse for that. So um, I'll be interested to see if they can lock in and play the defense that they're capable of. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, that the Cavaliers could win this thing, but I just want to see because I haven't seen that defense from them in a little while. Um, and then for the Cavs, Kevin Love again is a great pick, especially uh, as far as rebounding, that you got you got to rebound to beat the, beat the Warriors. But... Um, I'm gonna go Jr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jr. Smith. If he if he gets hot, he plays. If he's engaged defensively as well, uh, and can take some pressure off of Kyrie and LeBron on the other end, hey, that that would be huge. Yeah, Jr. is a great pick. Um, yeah, 
so I'm I'm gonna go. I'll start with the Warriors, and I feel like this is cheating, but we also didn't mention him that much in the last 20 minutes. So Andre Iguodala. I mean, mm. you know, if if you're playing the death lineup, he's the one who's probably drawing the LeBron assignment at least mostly because I feel like you want to keep KD off of him because as you mentioned, Sarah, he can. You know, KD isn't always the most physical. LeBron's probably going to bully him. Iggy has proven throughout the last two finals that even though LeBron's got two inches and about 40 pounds on him, that he can still pester LeBron and make life difficult on him. Offensively, too, I mean, this is he's been somewhat sneaky bad in the playoffs. I mean, he's shooting 42% from the field. He's only hit three of 27 of his three-point attempts. So... You know, you don't want Iggy to be your primary scorer, obviously, but, you know, maybe that's a place, if the death lineup is on the floor, maybe that's a place LeBron can hide defensively. If, you know, if, if Iggy's standing in the corner and he can't make you pay for that, uh, or LeBron can kind of do his little roaming free safety thing and just leave Iggy to open and then, you know, kind of double team wherever he wants to. So Iggy on both ends, I think, will be a big factor for Golden State. For Cleveland, I'm going to go to a guy who I forgot to mention when we were talking about players who could defend KD, and that's Iman Shumpert. Um, you know, not a huge player in the rotation for Cleveland, but again, just maybe someone who you can throw. <laughs> Basically, someone who can, you know, spare you a couple minutes of LeBron having to defend KD, hopefully. Uh, a guy who you can kind of park in the corner and hope for the occasional three point shot. He's. Shooting 47% from three on the playoffs, only 17 attempts, so that's a really small sample size. But, you know, again, anywhere you can get points outside of LeBron and Kyrie, it will be helpful. So if if he has one of those games where he gets hot, hits four threes, that could help swing a, a game. And that's, you know, in a seven-game series, that's a big deal. So I think all three of us did a good job picking out some X-Factors. <laughs> so now it is time for a prediction. More... Hit us with your hot takes. Oh, uh, yeah. As long as I don't become Stephen A. Smith and I just, like, bail on my last... What What was it? How many oh, final yeah. series Two, in a row? Since 2011, <laughs> he has gotten everyone wrong. That's spectacular. That is, that is impressive yeah. in its own right. It really yeah. is. <sighs> Obviously dubs. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... I, I, I just can't imagine with that level of talent. I just can't. But in regards to how many games... It's between five and six, mm-hmm. maybe even seven. I, that's really the thing because if they hit their level, I mean, they could blow them out. Right? They legitimately could. But if they don't, they could actually end up, yeah, actually losing it. If I really have to be, you know, hard on them. So, I'm just gonna say Warriors and six. That allows me a little bit of flexibility. That does. That's the that's yeah. the the good meat in the middle pick. The sweep spot right yeah. there. Just because if it goes seven, oh, it was one game off. It goes five, oh, one game off. Right. It's okay. Right. It's yeah. only if they sweep that that you have no confidence in them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, Sarah. How about you? <laughs> uh, I think Mort's probably right, um, but I'm gonna go Cavs in six. Whoa! Yeah. And why the hell not? Uh, I had some fun with my Western Conference Finals pick. It was did not go well at all, but <laughs> um, I'm going to do the same thing here. And it's really, you know, probably game by game one, 
even maybe by halftime of game one, I'll see how wrong I might be. But um, it's really just taking that really slim chance that some of the things that I saw, the nitpicky things in in the conference finals, mm-hmm. continue. Uh, because I think there were some openings for the, this Cavs offense to to score and to really put some pressure on the Warriors. Uh, like I said, if they focus in and they lock in and they play the defense they're capable of, that won't happen at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not sure that they're ready yet. I think, uh, as Morton mentioned, they've kind of cruised through a lot of the season. They haven't faced really that adversity since the finals last year. <laughs> mm. So there might be a chance to catch them off guard a little bit and to uh, put them in a hole. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals, you know, mm-hmm. pre-Zaza attacking Kawhi. They were, what, up 23 points? Like, it's, yeah. they they are not invincible. They just look that way because they've faced right. three injury-ravaged teams in a row. Uh, but hopefully everyone will at least stay healthy this time around. I'm more, I'm with you in thinking, you know, I'm torn between 5 and 6. Um, and I said it a couple minutes ago that you should never doubt LeBron in the playoffs. So... That said, I have not yet learned my lesson, and I'm taking the Warriors in five. Um, I just, I mean, every time I go back to, you know, yeah, they lost a lot of bench depth this year, but they swapped out Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant, and if Clay Thompson even regains a little bit of the form he had last year, I think, you know, hopefully it's more competitive than I'm expecting, but I really Uh think the 3-1 jokes piss the Warriors off a lot. And I think they yeah. are. They will do everything in their power to avenge that loss and prove that you know they're they are the team to be most afraid of for the next two to three years. So, Warriors and, in five. And in re- yeah, and in regards to like losing debt, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Javale McGee had a PER of 25.2 over the course of the season. Like I know he played just 10 minutes a game, but mm-hmm. I mean. That kind of productivity from the bench, even if it is ten minutes a game, yeah. like, that's insane. So there is a level of of absurdity there, as well as in the starting lineup, uh, which is partly why I'm I'm on the Warriors here. They just they have so many weapons, and if Clay Thompson should, you know, somehow get back to where he was, mm-hmm. came over. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully it will prove to be a competitive series. Hell, hopefully Sarah's right. Cavs at six happens, and then we can make just all of the Twitter jokes because Warriors fans are (laughs) especially insufferable as of late. Uh, I should mention that, that, you know, they did have some people out too, and that could be a part of the reason why their defense was not great against the Spurs. Uh, Mm. Obviously, Zaza, my my favorite, (laughs) did not play the rest of the series. (laughs) I think they were missing Iguodala for a game or two, at least a game and a half Mm -hmm. uh, with the back, so... You know, I mean, there's some explanation for that. And they should not have any complacency going into the finals against a team that, that beat you after you had the 3-1 lead. So right. that shouldn't be the case, but you never know. <laughs> One would hope. So the finals start Thursday. We will obviously be talking about them over the next couple of episodes as well. I want to wrap things up with a few free agent quick hitters because, you know, obviously the offseason has started for 28 teams. There have started to be some reports out about uh, potential moves, Uh, Sarah, one of which is involving your Spurs. (laughs) Apparently, the Clippers are uh, legitimately concerned that Chris Paul could join them, according to ESPN's Mark Stein. 
it would take some finagling. They don't have the cap space to do it right away. Um, I think, assuming they keep LaMarcus Aldridge, they would need to move two of the three of Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, and Danny Green. If they somehow traded LaMarcus and took no salary back, I think it would still be a couple million short. But, you know, you have to assume at least two of the four, LaMarcus, Pau, Danny, and Tony, are gone if you're signing Chris Paul. So, A, do you think that's worth it? to sign Chris Paul, and B, do you think he would be a good fit in San Antonio? I, I'm not in favor of it, honestly. I, mm. I don't think that that would really be the right move for them. Um, obviously, Chris Paul is, is one of the best to ever do it at that position. Um, I'm sure it would look frighteningly awesome from my end, but <laughs> um, I, I just don't. I, I think you'd have to sacrifice too much. I think, yeah, it's it's too difficult to make it happen. And not only that, but selfishly, you know, CP is a very ball-dominant guy. I want the ball in Kawhi's hands more, not less. So mm. I don't want to see it, honestly. Uh, I'm sure that it would work well. Uh, Pop would be, be able to figure that out. CP, I mean, he is he's a team-first guy. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, his style is he's very ball-dominant. I'm sure he could get Kawhi some, some great looks, too. But... It's just, yeah, I'm not in favor of it, honestly. Interesting. What more? Do you think Sarah's crazy, or do you do you agree? <laughs> no, I I get the line of thinking, but I just think if you have a shot at Chris Paul, you at least have to look at the options. Like, could you move these other pieces to make room for him? And then you have to evaluate: is it too much? Mm-hmm. What exactly are we giving up in totality? What would be a better alternative is, and this is assuming Gordon Hayward signs in Boston or elsewhere than Utah, mm. is getting like Pop's old best buddy George Hill back in the fold. Oh yeah, I mean that would be beautiful yeah. in its own way because mm-hmm. he's not like ball dominant. You you can still have have you know Kawhi primarily be the on ball creator. And then you can have have George Hill spotting up, and when it's necessary, you hand the ball over to Hill, who can initiate the offense. And he knows the system. I mean, Lord knows he knows the system already. So that would be. I mean, I would prefer Hill to Paul, just also because of what Sarah mentioned. Like, there is the Spurs isn't really you know a team that is that star dominant in that sense. Like yeah. CP3 is high maintenance. Mm-hmm. Most of the guys from the Spurs aren't, so there would be, I, I guess, a break there, you know, in, in the logic there. Whereas George Hill comes in, he's just like a straight-up professional. Yeah. That would just make a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah, and he knows the Spurs culture, so he's proven that he can fit there before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough decision because, I mean, yeah, as Sarah, as you said, he's like one of the best in this generation, if not best ever, to play that position. But that's a lot of money for a guy who's not getting any younger. He's already 32. You'd be paying him, you know, $45 million in his age 36 season. So that just makes me nervous on its own about not only him, but all of the older point guards. Um, so I, you know, I lean toward your camp, Sarah, where I think I would rather see them target someone a little bit younger, a little bit cheaper. If I'm the Spurs, mm-hmm. I'm going hard after Drew Holiday, personally, because oh, assuming assuming his stress fractured injuries, you know, 
that all checks out medically. Um, you know, he's just a lot younger. He'd be cheaper because he's not on the 10-year max. Um, and I think he can play. He proved that this year that he can play off-ball as well as he can play on-ball. So, Sarah, your concerns about, you know, keeping the ball in Kawhi's hands. Drew's a pretty good three-point shooter, good defender. Um, I think that would be, you know, kind of the happy medium there. But yeah. I, I don't know how realistic... You know, we don't know. We haven't heard rumblings yet about whether Drew is seriously entertaining offers outside of New Orleans. So we'll have to oh, see. Oh, they'll make the conference finals, unlike with CP3. Right. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you can't call him the best point guard ever when he right. hasn't made a conference finals. I, I get it. I get that the skill set-wise, he's right up there, but... And team success is is you know means less and less today. But come on, can't call him the greatest ever point guard if he hasn't made the conference finals. Yeah, well, no way. Yeah, I, I don't want the Spurs to be ruined by that streak. So <laughs> go go for Drew. All right, we need to talk about my Sixers more. Just lay it on. Apparently, <laughs> Zach Lowe reported that the Sixers will seriously entertain signing Kyle Lowry. They will be a real suitor for him this summer. Lowry is from Philadelphia. He played at Villanova. Brian Colangelo, you know, had experience with him in Toronto. So how much should I be dreading the inevitable You're so excited four right year now. 150 Kyle Lowry max deal? <laughs> that is an awful lot of money for a guy who is on the wrong side of 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I would probably approach Kyle Lowry much as I would with Isaiah Thomas when it comes to re-upping in Boston. Yeah. Like, offer two years and then max it the hell out yeah, in those sure. two years. Like, that's fine. What I have a problem with is contract length yep. in, in this climate. Like, Joakim Noah, Luol Deng, like, I don't even mind that they got paid $18 million a year mm-hmm. if it had been for two years. Right. Like, it would still have been overpaid, but, you know, you can live with it. Yeah. But four years is just, you know, handcuffing yourself completely. So you don't want to end up in that situation. If that is what's going to happen, well, then I'm not going to be looking forward to podcasting with you for four years. (laughs) That is, well, no, I think I'll be more fun because Philly fans are at home when they can gripe about their teams. Like, it's weird when they're successful. So that will just be fuel to my fire for however long that contract is. But I agree with you in in principle, that it's the length of the deal that upsets me more than the numbers. So if it was a two-year max deal, I could get on board with that. Uh, But, yeah, a four-year max would just be an absolute nightmare. Also, if they're serious about Ben Simmons as a point guard, why are you signing a 31-year-old point guard to a max deal? Like, see how... Because he's not going to be a point guard. He's going to be a pseudo-point guard. We have to stop, like... You know, talking about these guys as legitimate point guards. Like, James Harden is just... He's a shooting guard who plays the role of a point guard. He right. starts alongside Patrick Beverly, for crying out loud. Patrick <laughs> Beverly is not a full-time shooting guard. These labels are just so ridiculous. Like, Ben Simmons is going to start at the three, probably. Right. And then just handle the basketball. Yeah. So you're still going to need, like, two guards yeah, yeah, to yeah. either shoot or whatever. So it, you can easily make this work. This... Ben Simmons as a point guard ideology is so flawed because, no, you're just asking him to be a ball-creating three-man. That's fine. Or even a four. Like, at the forward spot. Like a LeBron right. role. 
Right. Well, that's so. Yeah. Brett Brown has said he wants he he's drawn a line between like Giannis and LeBron, and he's like, no, Ben Simmons is like our full time ball handler creator. But to your point, that's offensively, and he has said defensively he is not going to guard. Exactly. And you guards. are who you guard. Right. right? That's yeah. So they will. That's how we've determined positions. Like right. you are who you guard. Yeah. So they will need two smaller guys to go guard poison, eh, opposing point guards, shooting guards, etc. Because Ben Simmons will not be doing that. It's just offensively. And Kyle Lowry's a good defender for now, but again, he's thirty-one and mm. not getting any younger. So I would much. He can spot up though. Yeah, but I would much rather go for like an Avery Bradley or a Patrick Beverly. Go for a guy who is fine playing off the ball. Like, Kyle Lowry hasn't played yeah. off the ball for, you know, how many years now? So I I don't see the point of that one. The other name that's been linked to the Sixers so far is J.J. Redick. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski says they'll be one of the biggest suitors for him. According to Broderick Turner of the Los Angeles Times, he's aiming for a deal somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to $20 million annually. Sarah, what do you think about J.J. Redick to the Sixers? I'm more interested in what you think about all of these <laughs> things, but um, I don't. Know, I was just thinking. I haven't thought about any of the Clippers in such a long time. That's, so sad. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> That's savage. He didn't end the season very well, right? He kind of kind of went cold. Mm-hmm. So that's that's of interest to me. But in general, I, I'm I'm for JJ. Um, be great to have a shooter there running alongside Simmons. Why not? What do you think there, Brian? <laughs> yeah, I'm more open to JJ than I am to Kyle yeah. Lowry for that reason, because you really do need shooters around him, uh, or around Simmons and Embiid. Uh, Redick is not an all-world defender by any means, but he's mm-hmm. not terrible on that end either. He, you know, he's fine. Uh, and next, to, you know, Robert Covington is the guy we can pin on the top forwards, right. top wings, top guard so until the spurs steal him away from you which i can't wait for <laughs> i'm so mad why is everyone trying to steal <laughs> no one's stealing robert covington just like you do get no. so angry every I time know. i say that i know because like that was the one he's the most rage. processed person that we have on the team aside from Embiid, and i mean arguably even more than Embiid because he was the undrafted free agent you know, he was the guy who's just on the fringes so please everyone stop trying to steal him and more for that <laughs> To that point, stop trying to steal Rashawn Holmes. We're keeping both of those guys. Never, you can- never. And you, you know, Robert Covington is like your Turk. He's <laughs> Turk to your JD. He really it's is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, you can have a lightly used Julia Loco for though. He is more than up for grabs. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, um, but yes, I am in on JJ Redick. Uh, I would do. Frankly, it's the same thing. It's the contract yeah. length rather than the value. So, like, I'm good with two years, $45 million. I'm good with three years, $60 million. If that third year is, you know, a team option or mm. partially guaranteed or something like that, uh, it's just, like, a four-year, $80 million deal that will make me uh, a little a little nauseous. But, you know, for the next year or two, cap space does not matter for the Sixers. It's not until... Simmons, Sarich, and whoever they drafted three uh, become eligible for extensions where we really start to run into problems. Uh, JJ's been so great. Like, sneaky great 
for the Clippers in four years. Yeah. Like his per 36 numbers, 19.7 points a game. He's at almost 90 from the line, 44% from downtown, mm-hmm. almost 47 from the field in total. Like his scoring game is really at a high level to the point where we don't really acknowledge it to the point where we probably should have. Yeah. I mean, because he, you know, the Clippers have that big three who take all the attention, but Reddick is a huge part of that. And they are, even if they re sign Blake and CP3, they're probably going to be priced out of keeping Reddick too. So that's going to be a big loss for them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't see any way the Clippers are as good this year, this coming year, as they were this past year. Because they're good. I, I've considered those guys as having a big four, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a huge part of what they do. So, like, Again, I'm way more on board with Reddick than Kyle Lowry because even though, as you pointed out, Mort, that uh, you know the Clippers haven't made the conference finals, Reddick will still bring playoff experience. He's a veteran voice. Um, I assume he'd be pretty well respected in that locker room. And just you know, again, you just need shooting around Embiid and Simmons. You've got Covington, who can be a streaky shooter, but he's you know, his form's good. He he can be really hot at times. You put Reddick there. You get, you know, get someone at the point or just keep TJ McConnell. Then you you have the foundation of a team that at least, you know, I don't know if they're mm. challenging for a playoff spot, but they're going to be pretty good. They'll be in the 35-win range as long as everyone stays healthy. Um, let's talk about two other <laughs> two other things, both involving the Knicks. One, apparently, uh, the Knicks are hoping to rekindle Ricky Rubio trade talks, according to ESPN.com's Ian Begley. It is unclear what they have to actually trade outside of Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, The other one is the Wolves are apparently targeting Derrick Rose as a free agent, according to Begley. So, Mort, what do you think about, A, a Rose-Tibbs reunion in Mm. Minnesota? And B, assuming they do go that route, would you be more willing to trade Ricky Rubio? Well, I'm always willing to trade Ricky Rubio because I think even though he had a great year this year compared to previous years, he, he is a liability when you come to the playoffs, mm. uh, offensively speaking. Sure. So Rose is always a risk because of the injuries and the impromptu trips to Chicago, <laughs> apparently. Right. Um, but But... I, I get the need. I get the fact that they need to have a guy who can facilitate something at the point guard position and score for himself. Mm-hmm. Be, and, and I spoke to people about this, and most said, well, you have Carl Anthony Towns, you have Andrew Wiggins, you have Zach Levine, that's a lot of scorers. And that's not wrong, but it still puts a cap on your offensive potential in the playoffs. Because if you have Ricky Rubio starting, you become predictable. Mm-hmm. Because you know that guy is not going to, you know hit you with a crossover and get into the paint and kick it off like because he doesn't have that ability um, so yeah you, you need someone is that guy Derek Rose I would I would personally say no mm-hmm. but then again it is tips right you know there might be some magic between those two that could see Rose return to not MVP level by any means but pseudo all-star level maybe assuming he gets the shots and assuming he gets the responsibility mm-hmm. not sure but uh, I would at least look at the possibilities there is need for change at the point guard spot in Minnesota and uh, 
all these names mentioned, like Rose, Rubio, none of those guys are long-term uh, answers at the position. And the question is, to me at least, is Chris Dunn that you know solution at the right. end? Not sure either. Right. Like if you have him on the bench for two years and you have him look at Rose and see how he finds holes in the defense, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. Like that one position for the for the T Wolves is one I'm really nervous about. Yeah, I think I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. I mean, Rubio did play really well, especially after the All Star break. So I think you know there was talk after they drafted Dunn, like. You know, 20 games into his rookie season, we're going to trade Rubio and start Dunn. And then Dunn had a much rougher than expected transition to the NBA to the point where, as you said, you know, now there are legitimate questions about whether he is the point guard of the future. You know, it takes a while to learn that position. So it's way too early to throw him out entirely. But uh, yeah, I mean, especially with Levine recovering from a torn ACL. They, it does seem like that will be a position of need. So that is something to monitor. Sarah, you told me apparently people are postulating about Rose to the Spurs as well. How would you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, Twitter is a, is a strange place. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely been a lot of people mentioning that. I don't know where it came from at all. Um, no, I, as Morton said when we were talking before we started recording, you know, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from slightly, but... You know, and the fact that we do have an injured starting point guard and a young guy uh, behind him. But, but no, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that either. Look, it, look if I'm not w- excited about CP3, I'm, right. I'm definitely not excited about trying to get Derek. That's a, that is a, good, a good way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, well, we will keep watching for all the free agent rumors bubbling up. Uh, I'm sure there will be a lot over the coming weeks. Until then, you've been listening to the NBA Podcast. Again, just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. Check us out on iTunes, and if you're listening to this on Audio Boom, the iTunes link is at the bottom of our player. Uh, on iTunes, we'd love it if you subscribe, download, left some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And then we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. Likewise, Thank you, Brian. Ryan. And as a parting shot, I'd just like to remind everybody that uh, Kawhi Leonard is still the most efficient scorer of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fair chance that we end the finals that way as well. So There we go. All right. Have a good one, you two. See ya. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart thank you progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates discounts not available in all states or situations at ace we believe there's nothing better than helping kids that's why we've been proud to support children's miracle network hospitals for over 25 years this friday through sunday get our five gallon bucket and 20 percent off almost anything that fits inside when you donate five dollars to support children's miracle network hospitals and like ace CMN hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks.
Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details.